Have you ever wanted something in life? I mean, you've really wanted it. Has there been anything that you've really desired? In fact, you wanted it so badly that you felt maybe you couldn't live without it. Has there ever been anything in life that you've wanted that much? And maybe you began to pray earnestly and regularly for it. And perhaps weeks and months went by. But then somewhere along the line, you stopped praying for it. I think this may be one of the biggest reasons why we don't see more of God's miracles in our lives. Because we usually give up five minutes before God is ready to answer the prayer. We're going to look today at an interesting subject entitled, Thou Hast Asked a Hard Thing. Let's begin with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we bow our hearts before you and we acknowledge your love, your goodness, your sovereignty. We humble ourselves, Lord, in your presence. It's good to know you're in this place. Our Father, please speak with our hearts today and get the message through where it needs to be heard. Our Father, we pray that in our weakness you would be made strong in our midst. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've got an amazing story, really, about an amazing man. His name was Elisha. Uh, there's two prophets. One is named Elisha, and the other is Elijah. And Elisha, whose name means, my God is salvation. That's what his name means. And uh, Elisha was a farmer. That's what he was. Hooray for the farmers. They say, if you've eaten today, then thank a farmer for it. <laughs> But Elisha was a farmer before accepting the call to full-time ministry to serve the Lord. And his job in full-time ministry was to be Elijah's servant. And he fulfilled that for the, the next seven or eight years. But uh, Elijah now comes to the end of his earthly life. And we have the story unfolding before us. Now, just before I proceed, I'm just going to move our little friend here a bit so that he stops turning the page on me. Um, this is an interesting story here where um, God had basically told Elijah that his time was up and so he um, went to Bethel and uh, Elisha followed him and wouldn't, wouldn't turn back and then they went to Jericho and Elisha followed him and, and wouldn't stay there. Wouldn't he, he was going to follow the man of God. They came to the Jordan River, and that's where they crossed over. And uh, that's where we find this story here now. This was to be Elisha's final moments with Elijah. In just a few minutes, they would part company, and that would be it. But Elisha was determined he would not leave Elijah. Why was that? because Elisha wanted something. He wanted something desperately. He wanted it dearly. He wanted it so much that nothing was going to stop him. And Elisha knew that this would be his last 
chance to get it. Now in the Bible, you'll find that theme repeatedly, Old and New Testament. You have, for example, the case of Ruth. She was the daughter-in-law to Naomi, and Ruth was a Moabitess, and Naomi was a Jew. And so Naomi was going back into uh, the promised land out of Moab, and Ruth would follow her. And Naomi was persuading her, go back, go back to your people. And Ruth says, no, entreat me not to leave thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. Do you remember the story? And it just kind of melts your heart as you see the tremendous love that Ruth had for both Naomi and the God of Naomi. And Naomi's God became her God, the one true living God. You have the story of a blind man who, when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by, somehow he knew this was his last opportunity because Jesus was never to go that way again. And so he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, which was an expression meaning the Messiah. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd hushed him, says, be quiet, man. This is, this is important. This is important. This is Jesus we have here. But the more they hushed him, the louder he got. He would not be silenced. And in his blindness, he cried out with all his heart and all his lungs, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stopped, called for the man, and restored the man his sight. We have also the story of the widow. Jesus told us this story of a widow who was unjustly done and she went to a judge to uh, fix the problem. Now the, the real problem was the judge was also unjust. He didn't care for her. He didn't care for anything. But this woman kept going after him and would not be turned away till finally he said, if I don't fix this, you know, it'll be the death of me. Now, this is White's paraphrase, but uh, she got what it was that she she wanted. And um, we have numerous stories in the Bible of pursuing what it is that uh, that you feel is good and pursuing it and not giving up. There's uh, the classic modern illustration of a young man who sees the girl of his dreams and he just knows he has to have her. And so he determines with all his heart and mind and all the money he possesses and he's going to pursue her. And he does and he goes after her and after her until the, till finally the day when she finally catches him. <clears throat> um, think about that. But um, there is a story I, I heard about uh, a Bible college student back in the 1940s. He attended the East Texas Bible College back then. And uh, the young man, he felt called of God to be a pastor, although the problem was he had a very severe speech impediment. He couldn't talk normal. And uh, the best he could do is kind of give like that. And that was the best he could do. He and his friend were standing on campus on the first week there, in the first week of the, the Bible college, and he saw a pretty freshman uh, walk by and uh, he looked at her and he turned to his friend and he said I'm going to marry that girl and his friend laughed they were buddies and he could understand him and he laughed he says you can hardly speak and uh, uh, what are you going to do he said just watch me and so he went up to the girl and he, he, he got her attention and said go out with me and she didn't know what he said. And she said, what, what are you talking about? And so he repeated it. Would you go out with me? 
And she still didn't know what he was talking about. So she told him, whatever you want, I'm not interested. And she walked away. And so he came back to his friend. And his friend laughed. He said, she won't even go out with you. How do you, how do you expect her to, uh, to, to marry you? And he, he said to his friend, I didn't see I was going to go out with her. I said I was going to marry her. <laughs> and so what he did was he got in front of the mirror for the next two weeks and he practiced this one phrase. Would you go out with me for two weeks every day? Would you go out with me? Till finally it started to flow. Would you go out with me? Would you go out with me? Would you go out with me? And then he went up to the girl and he said to her, would you go out with me? She was dumbfounded. She said, you can speak. He said, no, he said, that's all I can see. <laughs> but when she found out that he practiced for two weeks, that one phrase just for her, she did go out with him. And after graduation, they got married and he went and pastored a church. It can be done. The problem is we quit. That's our problem. We quit too soon. We quit too early. Get a hold of what it is that God is calling you to do and don't let go. That's the secret, I think. Elisha had something in his heart, something I think God put in his heart, something he wanted. He wanted it more than anything else he'd ever wanted. He he'd perhaps enjoyed being a farmer, but this was something he wanted more than farming. This was something more than anything else he had, he had ever wanted, and he knew this was going to be his last chance to get it. So look at verse 9. It came to pass when they were gone over, this is over Jordan, that he, Elijah unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And so uh, here it is. Elijah finally says to Elisha, Okay, okay, what do you want? You've come all this way. You wouldn't leave me. What is it that you want? And this is where Elisha makes the answer. And look at it in verse 9. Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now at this point, what did Elijah answer? Did Elijah answer and say, Oh, that little thing, is that all you want? Is that what all this fuss is about? No way. Understand this, that Elijah was at that time the greatest miracle-working prophet of the times. There was no one greater in the service of God than Elijah. And here's Elisha, who had served him faithfully for the last seven or eight years, followed him, wouldn't give up, right to the point. I mean, like the chariot is rumbling. You can hear it getting ready, you know, to leave heaven and come and, and, and get Elijah. It's that, it's that late in the day. And uh, what is it that you want? I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah was the greatest miracle worker, and Elisha wanted twice that. But why did Elisha ask for a double portion? Why didn't he just ask for whatever you have, I want the same, an equal portion? Why did he call for a double portion? Well, I believe that in Scripture, when we read in Scripture, the firstborn son was to receive a double portion of the inheritance. Now, was there anything about that that was unfair? Not at all. 
This was so that the eldest son, the firstborn, could take care of the costs of the father's funeral and could look after the mother all her days. And in order to do this, he would require a double portion to do it. Elisha knew what he was asking. He wasn't being selfish. He wasn't being foolish in his request. He believed that there were victories that could be won for God. And he knew that God was calling him, and so he figured it all out that he would require twice the miracle-working power that Elijah had, and he wanted in on the action. Now, we've got an illustration of this sort of thing in the Old Testament in First Chronicles when Jabez... Now, Jabez was a freedom fighter, and Jabez wanted to help conquer the promised land, and he figured that he could accomplish so much more for God if God would bless him. And that's why he made his prayer in First Chronicles 4.10, and he said to God, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil evil that it may not grieve me. Listen, and God granted him that which he requested. We have the story of Jacob in the Old Testament when he got alone and wrestled with what we believe was the pre-incarnate Christ. And he wrestled all night in Genesis chapter 32. And he said to the pre-incarnate Christ, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And God changed right then and there, changed Jacob's name to Israel and said to him, For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. There's a couple of good examples right there. Now, Elisha knew that God was calling him to be the next prophet in Elijah's place, and he wanted to be the best he could possibly be, and he knew that was going to require great power from God, and so this is why he was asking for a double portion. He wasn't being selfish. He wasn't being prideful. He wasn't being foolish. He was simply asking God to supply him twice the power so that he could do twice the work. Now, after having asked for a double portion of thy spirit, what do we have Elijah saying to him? Elijah answers and says, Hey man, no problem. Easy peasy. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what verse 10 says? Not at all. Look at verse 10. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. That's what he said. You've asked a hard thing. Elisha, do you realize what you've asked? Elisha no one would ask that. You've asked a hard thing. Now, folks, have you ever wondered, hard for whom? Was it hard for God? Oh, God was going to have a tough one with this prayer request. Oh, boy, God's going to have to run all around heaven and collect up all the fragments of power and portion and blessing in order to make up this double portion. Was it going to be hard for God? No, because we find that God has all the power and there's nothing too hard for God. It wasn't going to be a hard thing for God. Elijah says, thou hast asked a hard thing. Well, hard for whom? Hard for God? No, apparently not, because God can do anything. Well, was it hard for Elijah? Was it going to be hard for Elijah to grant this? No, because really Elijah wasn't the one granting the power. All power belongs to God. It wasn't going to be hard for Elijah. It, he wasn't called upon to give this double portion. Well, that only leaves one person left in the equation. And who is that? Elisha. 
it was going to be hard for Elisha. Thou hast asked a hard thing. Elisha, do you realize what you're asking? It's going to be hard for Elisha. Why? Why would it be hard for Elisha? And I want to suggest to you this is the reason. Because big blessings usually come with a price tag. Big blessings usually come with a price tag. Now I want to invite you to turn into the New Testament with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We have here the story, we begin here in verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, that means the sons of thunder, that's what Zebedee is. These guys apparently had a problem with their temper. Anyone here have a problem with their temper? You have something in common with James and John. So these two, they come unto him saying, Master, we would that thou wouldest, uh, shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. Now remember, the other ten disciples were there hearing all this, and uh, they took indignation. When they heard James and John, their two fellow disciples, asking this bold request, they got upset a bit. And so uh, Jesus here, verse 38 uh, Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism where am I, I am baptized with? So pause for a minute. And Jesus says that's a big request you've asked. He might just as well said that ye have asked a hard thing. Why is that? Do you realize what you're asking? Do you realize the cup that's waiting for you and the baptism that's waiting for you? Now, he was speaking metaphorically of all of the suffering that they would have to endure. And they answered him in verse 39. They says, we can. And Jesus said unto them, ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And so we don't know. Maybe one day they will be sitting on either side. That's yet to be seen. But you understand what Jesus is saying. They came to him with a request, and it was a big one. And Jesus answered them and said, you don't know what you're asking. There's a price tag here. Can you drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of? Can you be baptized with the baptism where I'll be baptized with? And they basically said yes. So they understood that there was going to be suffering ahead because big blessings usually come with big price tags. I think that's what we have here. Now, if you turn to the book of Acts, I think you'll see it again. Acts chapter 9, we have the conversion, the salvation of the, the man named Saul into whom we come to know as Paul, the Apostle Paul. And in... Acts chapter 9, God is speaking to a, a faithful servant called Ananias and telling him to go in and visit this guy, this guy Saul. And so um, 
in verse 16, God tells Ananias, and he says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you'll know that he was the greatest Christian of the New Testament, the greatest, I think, the greatest of the, all the apostles. He wrote 13 of the New Testament books. Uh, he was an amazing man, performed miracles, including raising the dead. He was a great preacher. He had problems, though, didn't he? He had a thorn in the flesh, the likes of which we know nothing of. We don't know what it was, but had nothing to do with sin or a sinful habit or nothing like that. It was a physical malady. He had problems also with his eyesight. He had uh, beatings, uh, shipwreck. Uh, he was bitten by serpents. You know, he was stoned and left for dead and on and on the list goes. He had hardships. He, he was some of the, uh, he, he performed some of the greatest miracles and did some of the greatest things in the New Testament time. But look at the price tag. You see that? With the big blessings come the big price tag. But I mean, consider him now. That price he paid is all over. It's all done. But forever and ever and ever, he's one of the greatest. Um, turn to Second Corinthians, and I think you'll see here in the words of his his own lips, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He gives us a little insight. I'm showing you all this because I want to encourage you to call upon God to do something great with your life. Maybe you might be there thinking, oh boy, if it has a big price tag like that, I don't know if I want to do anything great for God. If it's got a big price tag like that attached to it, I'm not sure that I'm the man or the woman. I don't know if I want to do that, if it's going to cost me something. The cost is small compared to the benefits. The benefits are enormous. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we have this story of the, the, the thorn in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. You say, what was this thorn? We just don't know. There's been a lot of speculation, but the truth is, he didn't tell us. God doesn't want us to know. But it was some kind of physical thing, and it was bad. Uh, I think that it was way worse than my bad back. It was way worse than the uh, headaches you get. Way worse than uh, bursitis. Way, way worse than, uh, um, oh, the maladies, the sicknesses, the afflictions that we, he suffered. It was so bad that he went to God three times. Verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Verse 9, And he said unto me, God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made... What's that next word? Perfect. In weakness. Wow, think about that. His strength is made perfect in weakness. That means the stronger you are, the less of God's power will be in you. The weaker you are, the more of God's power will be in you. That principle is the same today for all of us. And so in the light of that revelation, 
Watch, the end of verse 9, Paul goes on and he says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses uh, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And there you have it in a nutshell, folks. God's power made perfect in our weakness. And I think this takes us very right back to the principle of Elisha and Elijah. Thou hast asked a hard thing. Do you understand what's involved? Do you know all of what you'll be called upon to do? Back in 1813, a young Baptist minister by the name, a missionary, pardon me, by the name of Adoniram Judson felt God was calling him to the country of Burma to become a missionary there. And he followed God's call and he became a famous, famous missionary in Burma. His influence in Burma is still felt down to this present day, Adoniram Judson. But few people seem to realize the hardships he had to deal with. There were no converts. For the first six long, soul-crushing, heartbreaking years before the date of his very first convert, his very first person to receive Jesus Christ. Judson was soon accused of being a British spy and was imprisoned for 21 long months and sentenced to death. But in answer to fervent prayers, he was finally released. Judson endured life-threatening diseases. He suffered the death of his wife and his children. He was all alone and yet remained faithful to God. And he wrote these words, If I had not felt certain that every trial was ordered by infinite love and mercy, I could not have survived my accumulated sufferings. Judson remarried, and 11 years later, his second wife died. Judson remarried, and four years later, Judson himself died. Indeed, God gave him greatness, but it was a hard thing. Judson died of lung disease at 61 years of age. Now we have Elisha, standing before Elijah, the greatest prophet of God on earth, saying these words, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And Elijah answered him, saying, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Elisha, it's as if Elijah said, Elisha, you can have it, but remember, great things come with a great price tag. Now, it's not recorded for us in Scripture, but I have a feeling that Elisha answered Elijah something like, that's okay, Elijah. I'm ready to pay the cost, whatever it may be. I'd like you to think of this. What might your Christian life be like if God were to give you a double portion of his power and blessing? How would that change your life? Christian brother, Christian sister, how would your life be different from this day forward if God were to answer your prayer, maybe even here at the altar, Lord, give me a double portion that I might do greater things for you. How would that change your life? Power, think of it, power for victory over sin, bad habits and sin that seem to knock you down at the worst of times, now power over that. 
power for victorious Christian living. But it doesn't stop there. Power to be a, a godly witness and to lead souls to Christ, to be a soul winner. Power to lead someone to Jesus Christ. Power for deeper understanding of the Bible every time you open it up. Power in prayer with God and see more answers to prayer. Power to support missionaries when the devil says, you can't afford to even tithe. You can overcome the devil with a double portion of God's power and blessing and you can not only tithe, you can support missionaries and you can live just fine because it's God coming to your rescue. Power, listen to this, to teach a Sunday school class. Power to help start a second bus route. Power to serve the Lord here at Grace Baptist Church. It's not a hard thing for God to give any one of us power. It's not hard at all for God to do it. But it'll be hard for us because there's going to be a price tag attached to it. And when I talk about a price tag, that's why some Christians back away from the table. They say, well, if there's no strings, if there's no catches, if I can have all that power and do what I want, then count me in. But once you mention a price tag and some suffering that comes along with that power for God, then some Christians back away from the table and they say, oh, you better get someone else. I'll just content myself with my little life the way it is. Can I suggest to you, you are missing out on something. You know, Elisha said, give me a double portion of thy spirit. And Elijah said, thou hast asked a hard thing. But then he said, nevertheless, if you see me when I go, it'll be yours. If you don't see me, it's not yours. Meaning if you turn your eyes away off me, if you look the other way, if you get concerned with the little flowers or the earthworms and you don't watch me, it's not going to be yours. You've got to keep your eye on me, said Elijah. Now, the truth is, Elisha did get to see Elijah whoosh, taken to heaven on a chariot ride. He did get twice the power. And if you follow through the life of Elisha and count them, he did twice the miracles that Elijah did. But I remind you, Elisha also had twice the hardness that Elijah had. And he had a hard death as well. There was no chariot ride to heaven for Elisha. But that was the price he was willing to pay. You see what we're saying here today? Now, was it worth it? Was it all worth it? Elisha, you could go back to farming and have a good life. You could go back to farming and retire in comfort and ease. And Elisha says, I know it, but that's not what I want because my life is short. God has called me. I'm going to stand before him one day and I want to do everything I can in his power. And I see opportunities, I see victories that could be had to do what I'm going to need twice the power. I'm willing to pay the cost. Was it worth it? It was worth it. A million times over, it was worth it. It's always worth it to take God's power and pay whatever cost we pay here on earth. It's always worth it to be an Elisha. Imagine if Elisha had said, well, you got a point there, Elijah. I'm not sure that I really want to pay much more of a cost. See you later. And he would have turned, and that would have been it. By the way, he still had to get back over Jordan. He'd have no power to get over Jordan. 
he would have had to take a job there, come up with money, pay some boat guy to take him over maybe. But he said, no, yes, I want it, I want it. Now, my Christian friend, do you realize that you have one chance? Do you realize you have one life? You don't get to come back and do this all over again. All of the mistakes you make now, that's it. This one life, that's it. You don't get reincarnated after you die and get to go through life again. It doesn't work that way. There is no reincarnation. You have one life, that's it. You gotta ask yourself, what do I want? My back's given out on me, I better ask you to stand for prayer. Let's stand to our feet and we're gonna have a word of prayer. C.T. Studd was a, an amazing missionary, famous, famous missionary in China. He did a lot of amazing things for God through his life. And he wrote a poem, a few of the words which I'm sure you've heard before. He wrote these famous words, only one life twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Now that being true, Think of it, everything else is going to burn up. Everything else, as if it's wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to be gone. I tremble to think how much wood, hay, and stubble I've produced in my life. I want my one life to count for God as much as it possibly can. And I can't do that in my own strength, and nor can you. My brother, my sister, do you really want your life to count, your one life? You'll need a double portion from God. Oh, it's a hard thing, you've asked. Yeah, that's true. But you know what else is true? Is one day you'll hear the words of Jesus, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's true too, isn't it? But only if we've done it in his strength.